Coroners who conducted inquests into sudden and suspicious deaths in 19th century Ireland operated in a society that was highly politicised and deeply divided. While the men who served in this role represented the authority of government and the need for social order and justice, it often put them at odds with the local elites. This was particularly apparent when they were exposing corruption, social and moral failures and sectarian murders. William Charles Waddle served as coroner of North County Monaghan for over three decades in the 19th century. His detailed casebooks, spanning over 31 years, chart the evolving role of the coroner in this crucial period in Irish history. Waddle's inquest reports cover everything from the harsh reality of death by starvation to political murder. They tell the story of a society that was politically polarised, placing the coroner at the centre of the conflict. This is explored in a recently published book from Four Courts Press. It's called The Irish Coroner, Death, Murder and Politics in County Monaghan, 1846-1878. The author is Dr Michelle McGough-McCann, who joins me now. Michelle, you're very welcome to The History Show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Miles. Tell us, first of all, about your own background and how you came across these unique coroner's casebooks. Oh, sure. So my ancestry on my father's side is my family's from County Monaghan. So in June of 2000, I moved to Ireland um, for what I thought would be a short amount of time. And I was doing research on a book. Um, But I also happened to meet someone who is my husband of 22 years. And I stayed, needless to say. And how this attributes to my research is I was always interested in putting County Monaghan on the map because I think it's underrepresented in Irish historiography. And I thought it would be exciting to do something and do a book on death and murder. And it's something to actually try to embrace and understand Monaghan a little bit more in the 19th century. So at that time, in around 2001, I was introduced to Waddle's second case book, which is privately held. And the um, McCrory's of County Down allowed me to use it to write a book, uh, which I did, called Melancholy Bandus that came out in 2003. And I thought that would be it. I grouped the deaths together to try to help people understand a little bit more about 19th century Ireland, and particularly County Monaghan. And then what happened was over the years, in about 2013, I discovered that Waddle's first casebook which is dated from 1846 to 1855, was in existence again. It had been considered missing. And I was doing my master's in Irish history and uh, moving into um, considering doing a PhD and went, right, now that this is back in action, I never thought I'd find this. I'm going to do my PhD. I'm going to write a book on this. And uh, over the course of that time period from then till now, um, I found his third casebook that was mislabeled. So I have all 31 years of his inquest. My passion has always been, and still is, to put County Monaghan on the map to get a better understanding of the social and political history that's been, I think, underrepresented for a very long time. OK, tell us a bit about the background then of this of this coroner, William Charles Waddle. Sure. So... William Charles Waddle is a really interesting character. He is a representative of other men at that time who were coroners in the 19th century. He's an industrious merchant. He's a landowner and a gentleman. And he also works as a land agent for his wealthy uncle, who's a Dublin businessman, um, whose name is uh, Charles Hopes. And they both hail from a lineage of Scottish Presbyterians uh, from Ulster. And kind of similar to the work 
that Professor Peter Gray from Queens University is, has done on uh, William Sherman Crawford. This is a family of a very interesting Presbyterian family of both liberal and conservative politics. So whilst Waddle has um, uh, ancestors who had their own voluntary force in the late 1700s, he also has uh, some who contributed and participated in the uh, 1798 rising. So what Waddle himself decides to do is align himself with the conservative elite in County Monaghan. And this bodes very well for him. He serves as a juror and a very reliable local merchant and, and person of, of considerable respect. And in 1846, he is elected, but I would say appointed coroner because he ran unopposed. So you, you get access to these three case books. I mean, it must have been incredibly exciting to get the first. You had the second one to start off with, but incredibly exciting to get the earlier one, which, which covers the famine period. But how much detail do these case books contain? Are we talking about one line for every case or is there more detail than that? Yeah, I mean, so these are a, a unique set. There is nothing else like them. What they detail is witness testimony on the ground, if let's if we focus from from his first inquest, let's say in May of 1846, and through the famine, for the first two years, he's working as a coroner, and at, for a certain point in time, he is the only coroner um, documenting certain deaths during the famine, and the detail in the inquests, um, some could consider them a bit austere and a little bit like unemotional, but the emotion is in there. There's so many. Um, so over his career, he does 1,223 inquests and over 100 inquiries. And what we find during the famine period in particular is for the first time, you actually can identify a lot of people who were dying of starvation, a lot of people who died of famine-related disease, and actually just how hard things were in County Monaghan at that time. And I think that what's so unique about the records is some of the real painful testimony. And then you have to look and dig a bit deeper. And that's what the Irish Corner, my book is all about, is really trying to understand and put it in a context of why these inquests are so important and what they reveal. Um, there's, there's lots of examples to provide. I mean, one I can offer is... Uh, in 1848, there's a, an inquest of a woman who, uh, her husband's died, and Waddle goes to, to um, investigate. And he conducts a jury, and they want to understand why her husband's died. And she says, well, he was eating. He, you know, he was eating food. He refused to go into the workhouse because we still had things to sell. And a very you know, unique note that Waddle puts in his casebook is that the jury said this isn't true, actually, that the husband was... Um, going door to door, uh, begging for food. And he died, he, they found that he died of want and destitution. And, and what that really shows is that there was shame involved um, of people dying from starvation. So I think that that level of detail that's provided, and that's just one example, um, the level of detail provided in the inquest is incredibly valuable to the history of County Monaghan, but to the wider context of famine historiography. And are most of the cases that he deals with during the famine, are they mostly workhouse deaths? No, actually, um, it's, that's a really great question. Um, no, that is significantly underrepresented. So not everyone needed an inquest, right? So it was not required. It's, people get very, it's confusing. Um, the 19th century was, if he was informed that someone died suddenly or suspiciously, he would have to go investigate. 
Now, it wasn't legally mandated that someone had, the coroners had to go and investigate every death in the workhouse. So it's significantly underrepresented. But what I was able to find that from um, my academic advisors and peers have told me is that this is totally unique information that the inquest um, and the Irish Coroner provides now uh, to famine history is that there is a trend of people leaving, particularly the elderly, leaving the workhouse and they die back in their own townlands uh, within hours and at the maximum two days. They die from disease, they die from starvation, but they're leaving the workhouse in droves. So this, it's a new phenomenon that's been discovered that the conditions in the Monaghan workhouse, particularly the Monaghan Poor Law Union, was so poor that people would rather leave and die in a field rather than stay within the workhouse. And are you getting more information from his casebooks than you would, for example, from newspapers? Because newspapers would report on not all inquests, but they would report on a lot of inquests. Yeah. So um, if you look at, um, for example, what I investigated was certainly if you look at, um, there's a coroner named Atkinson in Mayo during the famine, and he uses the Mayo Constitution as his newspaper to have published, of course, they were willing to, the names and places and conditions of starvation deaths in Mayo, as well as his letters to the Lord Lieutenant begging and, and pleading for help. This also happens in Skibbereen, and I probably don't need to say too much more so that we understand and in the South and in the West that some things were well communicated or communicated as best could be done. In Monaghan, not so much. So I found a handful, only a handful of deaths from starvation that were published in the, at the time in the conservative Northern Standard. And this suggests that there's an agency between the local elite, their newspaper, the conservative Northern Standard, and the editor, who was also cons- would be considered one of them, and Waddle, potentially. Um, he may have wanted them published, but they weren't. So, I mean, it's underrepresented in newspapers, which then, again, exacerbates and just emphasizes that much more how important the casebooks are to actually see the coroner Waddle at the coalface of what's actually happening on the ground during the famine at that time. Some of which suggests that although Waddle was a member of the local elite, that perhaps he occasionally came in conflict with the local elite. He did. I mean, the, the role of the coroner, he's representative of coroners at the time that were always at a site of conflict. So they're, they're elected or appointed, um, and they're in this role. Prior to 1838, when the poor law comes in, the coroner is the only elected f- official in local government. So the homogeneity of the local Protestant Irish elite who all select each other or selected by the Lord Lieutenant, they are, this is not about like the public vote. The coroner is the only elected official. And even in 1846, when Waddle becomes the coroner, the only other elected officials are poor law guardians. And, and that's a, a collective mix, mostly. And, and I think ultimately what I'm trying to kind of communicate here is that the role of coroner is always a site of conflict because if the verdict of his jury finds that there has been corruption at the workhouse 
or a sectarian willful murder of someone who's local and Protestant, he is going to be at the site of conflict. And in particular during the famine, the inquest that he's, he, which kind of tells a bit of the character of Waddle and, and what kind of person he is, these inquests, he's, he interviews the local relief officers. You know, when there's a woman who has three children and one of them dies and she hasn't been getting the right relief to get food and supplies for her children is, is, you know, he questions why, and that testimony's in there. And regardless if the relief officer says, I have no idea, <laughs> it's the fact that he goes that, he, he does the right thing. He's trying, he takes the role of coroner as a professional, and I think it reflects some of his values as well. He also investigates sectarian murders. That must have been a bit of a minefield. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, he's, he's got a couple inquests that were um, quite contentious. There's one in particular where there is, uh, in July of, of 1868, um, the Orangemen gather and they are doing their, their annual victory celebrations outside Monaghan town. And they come into town and there is, there is a, an affray and it results in a Catholic named Thomas Hughes being murdered from a gunshot wound. And the man accused at the inquest or considered the uh, responsible party as a, as a man named David Beard, and he's a Protestant. He's also a merchant in town. And so what happens is Waddle's jury wants to say, we find him guilty of willful murder, but at the same time, he has the right to defend himself. That's what we want the verdict to be. And Waddle says, you can't do that, guys. <laughs> we, that's how about, man, you know, how about manslaughter? So they won't agree. They later convene and they, say, they disagree with him. And he, they say, yep, it's willful murder. And the local elite in the local paper, and this becomes national news. And there's lots of cases that Waddle was involved in that were national news. But this one in particular is... Um, Interesting because in a higher court later on, it's found that Waddle's done nothing wrong. He gathered his jury, reconvened his jury. But the local conservative Northern Standard that is a reflection of the middle class readership and the local elite says, we'll look into this, that this is a little game the coroner's playing. So he's never safe. If he finds and his jury find legally and officially what they think is the right thing to do, if it does not agree with the values and the politics of the local elite, it puts him at great risk. There are a couple of other cases which I would imagine would have made the national news. Those are two double homicides in the 1840s, very close together, 1847 and then another one in 1849. Tell us about those two cases. So the two double homicide cases of two sets of women, and the first one happens in April of 1847, which is the, the height of the crisis in County Monaghan. So things are not going well in County Monaghan, and it is desperate. And this is the, the double homicide of the Cullen sisters. They're two women who are living on their own. They are from the Shirley estate in Farney in South Monaghan, and they are brutally murdered. And they never, and it makes national news, they never find the culprits. And, and there is a neighbor lady named Mary Bell who says, well, I was returning. I found the women. I found the sister, the Cullen sisters. I was returning 6D, six pennies, which was up to a day's, either half a day's or a day's wage at that time. That's a lot of money then. She was returning money to them or paying them back. And then uh, Shirley himself, the landlord, offers a, a very large reward. Um, and, and as the evidence is kind of pulled together, it indicates that the women may have, may have 
been money lenders, and they were certainly favorites of the landlord, Shirley, who is a notorious character in um, Monaghan history and in Irish history of not being very kind or supportive. He had monster evictions on his estate. So it indicates that these financially independent women, I use the term, um, but potentially were money lenders or gombeans, and it may have been seen that they were taking advantage of people. They never find the suspects. But the inquest itself gives some evidence that actually locally people thought it was people nearby. The other set, uh, the double homicide that happens in May of 1849, are two women that are living together, potentially relatives, younger and older women. And this looks like the family did it. The younger girl has inherited a great deal of money, 20 pounds, and the two women are financially independent. This now becomes national news as well. And this is really publicized in every paper throughout the United Kingdom at the time in Ireland. And it's compared to, there were two men in the uh, early part of the 19th century that were sensationalized murders. One was John Good and the other one was Goodacre. And they, there was a sexual context to the murders. And so these poor women um, are found burnt from the waist down. They've been posed in front of the, the fireplace, in front of the hearth. And the offenders are compared to essentially sensationalized murders in England. And, and what both represent is two sets of financially independent women who you would think should be safe during this time. At least they can feed themselves, they can take care of themselves, but that's not the case. And I think that there's a lot more to actually investigate there. And I make some comparisons and try to delve into that more in, in my book, The Irish Corner. After the famine, even after the famine, Waddle is still investigating deaths in workhouses. Tell us about the case of two infants who died in 1855 in the Clonus workhouse. Yeah, so yeah, in, in October of 1855, Waddle goes to the Clonus workhouse and there's two infants who have died. And he interviews the nurses, he has two different doctors and a jury, and the master and the matron of the Clonus Workhouse, who are the Kirkpatricks. And the inquest well details that, in fact, what's happened is that the matron had an infant as well, and what she's done is had the two women who should be feeding their own children, feeding her child instead. And it actually makes it into the local paper, and it is rather contentious, because it's first reported that they weren't found of starvation. It's not true. But in fact, it turns out that they lied to the inspector general. And it turns out that actually they did, in fact, based on the medical evidence provided by the uh, both doctors, that the children died of starvation. So in the following year, you do not see matron Kirkpatrick there anymore. And her husband is slowly phased out after that. But there's someone new in charge the following year in the annual workhouse report. One of the things you found was his the final diary, uh, which is 1876, 1877. So it only covers a couple of years. Was there much of interest in that diary or case yeah, book? Yeah, there was. There's two. There's a couple of things. There's actually lots of things, but there's two that stand out. Is One is it captures a couple of the deaths in, of the agricultural famine that takes place in 1877, which is, is shocking. I mean, I never thought that, you know, you'd think that would sort of been brushed over and there's not much in the newspapers about it. So that was really unique and, and showed that actually 
uh, vagrants, mendicants, beggars, all wrapped up, let's say, in one wrapper at the time, um, were there were still people wandering around looking for food and they just couldn't find any. And it, and it, and it kind of reflects uh, what's happening socially again during a famine and about how harsh the reality is in, in County Monaghan. And also that the asylum has opened. The uh, Monaghan at the time called the Monaghan Lunatic Asylum has finally opened. And it shows that, that Waddle is going consistently. There's about 68 uh, inquiries that he makes. So they're not full inquests, but clearly the law has been imposed and it's considered important that the, anyone who dies at the asylum is considered worthy of an investigation by the coroner. And I think that's quite significant about the change that's happening in society at that time, that this is considered something that's worthy of attention and needs to be looked into officially, and most importantly, paid for by the local grand jury. What about the role of the coroner? These diaries cover a very interesting period, the middle section of the 19th century, as it were, from the height of the famine to the eve of the land war. Does the role of the coroner change much during those three decades? It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, they're they're struggling, right? So in comparison with, say, English corners, although the Irish corner eventually benefits from this man's work, but they've the English corner has Thomas Wakeley. He's this radical MP. He's a medical doctor. He's the founder of the medical journal, The Lancet, which is still in publication. And he gets them salaries and paid assistance and pensions. Well, it's very different in Ireland. It's a very politically polarized society. And you ha- we have men in Ireland at that time who this is about patronage and it's a job for life. So over this 31 years, what you see is Waddle actually himself, although considers himself and clearly, I think it's clear, tries to professionalize this office and he bonds with other coroners who are fighting for the rights to try to make the role salaried so it doesn't look like they're profiting from death and trying to professionalize the office. And I think what does happen over the century, and it's not in the 31 years, it, it starts to change, but after Waddle's death, what actually does come clear is that they finally, they, the administration, finally approves and passes legislation that you have to have a professional qualification, whether it be a solicitor or a doctor, and this is in 1881, to run and have a professional qualification for the role. And then ultimately, at the end of the century, in 1898, there's the Local Government Act, which dissolves the grand juries, institutes county councils, but also finally the coroner is a civil servant with a salary, and he'd be appointed based on his professional qualifications. Well, it's a fascinating social history. The book is called The Irish Coroner, Death, Murder and Politics in County Monaghan, 1846 to 1878. It's published by Four Courts Press. The author is my guest, Dr. Michelle McGough McCann. Michelle, many thanks indeed for joining us on The History Show. Oh, thank you, Miles. I appreciate it. Thank you.